One constant through all the years, Ray. Been Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Coming to you from the BTG studio in Rochester, New York, this is the Beyond the Game program, sports talk without the trash talk. I'm Rick Benson. With me, as always, is Zach Barletta. I hope you're all having a great Easter weekend. Spring may have technically arrived, but here in western New York and in many places throughout the country, it does not feel like spring. I don't know when we're going to have baseball here in western New York. But Major League Baseball had its opening day on Thursday, the earliest in history. Every team had been scheduled to be in action, but the Reds' national game was postponed a a day prior to opening day. The, The Pirates and Tigers, they lost out. And Zach, you know there are few people more excited about the start of a new season as much as the two guys in this particular studio. Mm-hmm. However, if you have to start the season in March, then the season's just too darn long. I know baseball diehards and certainly club owners don't want to hear that, but come on, who wants to see baseball played in these cold conditions? I'd rather see it played in warm weather. Knock a few games off the schedule, start the season in mid-April, get it done by the third week of, of October. Look, I know it. I'm a baseball guy. This is starting it in March is crazy. Yeah, I'm torn on it because on the one hand, as a baseball fan, I'm excited that it's finally here so early and we're finally able to watch games. On the other hand, when I walk outside and it's like 38 degrees, I'm like, this is a little too early. It's and we, I mean, we had two games postponed, like by Thursday morning. We talked about it the other night that how can you schedule games this early in the season? in the northern states or not in domes like it just seems like it would it would make sense schedule them in the south the ones that are going to be played in the north play them in domes it, it seems yeah, simple you're just going to have too much too many ugly games too many postponed games mm-hmm. in this early part of the season and i think you could do a better job with scheduling it and it, it may mean cutting some games off the schedule and i'm okay with that it's just too long nonetheless The season's underway, with my apologies to other sports. When it comes to opening day, much like the All-Star game, baseball is king. Nobody does opening day better. Maybe it's because it signals the end of winter, it's a sign of spring, but the pageantry and the tradition of opening day in baseball is unlike any other. Why baseball wants to mess with that and have it in March when the weather's not so great is beyond me. But going into this season... I'm wondering if this is a good thing for the game. Out of the 10 playoff spots, we already know who seven of them are going to be probably. You know, maybe even eight. You got the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Indians, and the Astros in the American League, the Dodgers, Cubs, Nationals in the National League. They're all going to the playoffs unless something completely unusual happens. That's seven teams out of 10. So what's happening is this whole season comes down to determining – Who's going to be in the one-game wild card? Mm-hmm. That's what you're playing 162 games for. Yeah. 
And I'm not looking for parity, but I, I may, maybe there's a team out there that will surprise you. But don't you want a few more teams who would have a better shot at grabbing a division title somewhere in there? You would like that. You would like to have more intrigue. You would like to have it really come down to the wire with a lot of teams in the hunt, which the second wild card has done. But there are so many teams right now that are either tanking or in the middle of a rebuild that it's just, it's a lot like the AFC was in the NFL this year. There's a lot of bad to average teams and just a small handful of really good teams. And and you say something in there, maybe there's a cycle. Maybe it's just right now there's a lot of rebuilding teams and and it's just kind of one of those fluke things that's not going to be every year. And I certainly hope not. Because when you start your season, already known who the majority of your playoff teams are going to be. And of all the divisions, I think there's only one race in all the divisions. And we'll get into that in just a moment when we give you our official preview of the season. That's our opportunity to prove to you that we have no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) And neither does anybody else. I will tell you this, that while it may not be good to have so few teams with legitimate division title hopes and Again, apologizing to the rest of the country, but at least it's the right teams from the perspective of national interest. If there's going to be one division race, you know darn well that baseball wants it to be the Yankees-Red Sox. Yeah. And that's going to be a race. And if you had to pick the teams, a few teams that you absolutely want to be in the playoffs to drive TV ratings, to drive national interest, not only would you pick the Yankees and the Red Sox, but you would want the Cubs. You'd want the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. You like feel-good stories like the Astros Mm -hmm. and the Indians. and Washington. Washington, yeah. But that said, let's get into it more, Zach, and give our official beyond-the-game preview of baseball. We'll pick out who we think who will be this year's playoff teams. And again, I I think everybody already knows who seven of them will be. So starting in the AL East, and this might be interesting, to see if we agree here, I give the division title to the Red Sox. And I, I say the Yankees are going to pick the wild card. I have that flip-flopped. I actually... I thought I suspected as much. Spoiler alert, I have the Red Sox on the outside looking in at the end of the season. But I think that the Yankees are a more complete team. I think they have a better bullpen. As we saw Thursday, the Red Sox bullpen imploded. But I just think overall, I think that the Yankees are in a better position to win the division. I'm concerned about the strikeouts on the Yankees. I'm concerned about Aaron Judge having a sophomore jinx, if you want to call it that. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Both teams are going to make the playoffs. Whatever team doesn't get the title is going to go into the wild card, in my opinion. Do you agree with that? I have them not making the playoffs because I'm looking at injuries for them. But, I mean, they're the reigning division champions until the end of the season if somebody knocks them off. So you have to respect them that way. All right. AL East, I've got Red Sox. You've got Yankees. AL Central, I'm sure we agree on the Indians. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. AL West, I'm sure we agree on the Astros. Yes. Wild card is where, obviously, we're going to disagree because I'm saying the Red Sox. I'm going to throw the Twins in there again. I have the Twins as well, but I have the LA Angels of Anaheim as the other. Do you? What do you like about the Angels? I like the lineup. Mike Trout finally has good hitters around him. Justin Upton and Ian Kinsler, you know, around him in the order. Uh, I like the pitching staff. Ian Um, Kinsler's older than your grandfather at this point. We don't have a lot of time, but all the advanced data from last year says he was extremely unlucky, and he's going to have a bounce back. You can't see this over radio, but what just happened is Zach went into a phone booth and just (laughs) tore off his shirt and became super nerd with his... Analytics. It's but, got a big A on the chest for analytics, man. That's what. Uh, that's what my. But he studies was. that stuff, so 
he knows what he's talking about. So you got the Twins and the Angels. You're not concerned about Shohei Otani being a- not at all, not at all. I think spring training is a time for him to figure out what pitching in America was like and try some things. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I think he'll be fine, but I don't think he's going to be the superstar that everybody kind of yeah. anticipated he would be and got this bidding thing mm-hmm. going. Not right away. The other thing I really like about the Angels, they get to play the Mariners, Rangers, and A's a whole yeah, bunch. Yeah, that's an advantage. You're absolutely right. So you've got uh, Twins and Angels. I've got Red Sox, Twins. My American League champion is the Astros. It's hard to pick against the Astros. I'm going to take the Yankees because I'm all in, so I might as well. Yeah, look, they're they're good. I and you do got to be concerned with the Astros whether or not they can, whether they can stay focused. Mm-hmm. Look, it's hard after you've won a title. Now you're coming back with the target yeah. on your back. So you've Re- seen a lot of teams stumble the yeah. second year. Repeating is harder than winning the title, in my opinion. So National League East, I'm sure we agree on the Nationals. Yes. I think the Mets are going to put pressure on them, though. You don't think it's the Marlins? And <laughs> <laughs> El Central, I'm sure we agree on the Cubs. We do. You probably like the Brewers, if I know you, as I think I do. I like the Brewers, but I have the Cardinals in second. I would rather see the Brewers. And El West, Dodgers. Mm-hmm. The, um... I have the Diamondbacks and Rockies tied for second place in that division. I had to just make up a tiebreaker, so I gave it to the Diamondbacks. Here's where it gets interesting. Your wild cards in the National League. Who do you have? I have the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals. And I can see that. I had that for a while, but then I, I really I think the Mets are gonna surprise. I think that pitching staff, Syndergaard and DeGrom is a great one two punch, and Matt Harvey has a lot to prove this year in his mm-hmm. in his free agent year. I think he's going to be very motivated. So I have the D-backs and the Mets, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cardinals there. My National League champion is the Dodgers. Mine is the Cubs. Okay. Um, as much you, as I want to pick Washington, I've still never seen them win a playoff series, right? So, Who do you have overall champion? You've got the Cubs playing the Astros. The Yankees. Oh, I'm sorry. I got the Yankees over okay. the Cubs. I've gone back to, what is it, the 30s? All right. Yankees-Cubs. I've got Dodgers beating the Astros because, as you said, It's tough to repeat. All right, Zach, let's hit that first break. But before we do, let me tell you that coming up in today's program, we will continue with our baseball opening weekend edition of Beyond the Game by talking with L.A. Dodgers hitting coach Turner Ward. Turner will give us some insight into the Dodgers. We'll talk about his faith and the role it has throughout his career in Major League Baseball. And I'm sure the fact that he's appearing on this program will have some benefit to why I'm picking the Dodgers to win the World Series. It usually does. Of course, Zach's going to have new shenanigans statements. We'll tell you what it is we like this week. That's all coming up today on Beyond the Game. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. 
When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back into the program. I'm Rick Benson, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Of course, this is our baseball preview show, and we've been talking a great deal about baseball. Zach and I, both big baseball fans, we'll take any opportunity we can to talk about the game. But this is a great time of year for sports in general. Not only is it the start of the baseball season, but the NBA and the NHL are both headed towards their playoffs. They're going down the home stretch. Seemingly, every game is important. Of course, next weekend is the Masters. you got the NCAA tournament going on, and this weekend is, of course, the Final Four. One of the great things about the NCAA tournament, one of the things I love is the excitement of the teams involved, the camaraderie among the players and even among the coaches. I'd be the first one to admit, I I don't think all the teams belong. I I don't like all the automatic bids. I don't like all the mid-majors being included in the tournament. But look, the upsets are exciting. I get it. Uh, And and it's so great to see the intensity and the reaction of the kids as those things are happening, as those upsets are, are taking place. And in the case of a team like Loyola, eventually at some point you have to admit they belong. They've more than proven themselves. You get to a Final Four, and you're legit. You belong there. It's why we love sports, because there's things that that you just you don't know what's going to happen. You see the joy, the exhilaration on the face of the players. And for those of us who get to work in sports in some capacity, man, it's a thrill. For me personally, to be able to serve God in sports ministry uh, he's provided me such an amazing opportunity. I got to tell you, I feel blessed. I was asked recently what it is about sports ministry that I believed in, why I uh, identify with it so strongly. And you have to understand this question was being asked of me by a man who spent many years working in church rec. He was in charge of church rec and parking for his church. So I guess he was the crap leader, church rec and parking. <laughs> uh, he was asking me because as a fellow minister in sports ministry, he understands some of the struggles. He knows some of the things that I deal with from time to time and others who work in the same field as I do. And to be quite honest, unless you're involved in it, people don't always understand sports ministry. They think it's games. They think it's it's cute. It's exercises, whatever. They don't understand the ministry that can take place there. And you know, people think that whatever it is that they're involved with is the most important thing going. And they don't always see the benefit to other ministries. But but what I answered him in telling him what I appreciate most about sports ministry is twofold. First off, 
it's real. I mean, you see people right where they are. On a Sunday morning, they can come into church and they can carry a big Bible, you know, like the comics. They can have a a sparkle in their hair and in their teeth, and, and they can uh, convince everybody that they don't even know sin, that, that they're just the most spiritual person going. But I tell you, that's not me. And when elbows get flying around on a basketball court or bodies get bumping on a football field, I can tell you, that's not most guys either. On a basketball court or on a ball field, people are real, man. And you can see when intensity and the competition starts getting the better of people. But secondly, and maybe most importantly, because it's real, it's a beautiful incubator of building real relationships. People who may not otherwise get together if it weren't for a ball or a hoop have an opportunity to invest in one another's lives. That's what being a teammate is all about. It's about combining what you do well with what perhaps I don't do so well and working together for a positive outcome. Doesn't everybody want a positive outcome in their life? Of course they do. And, and, and here you get you get a group of people in sports ministry where trust is gained, and this happens on any team. Trust is gained. Relationships are built almost naturally because of sports, because of competition. I have to trust my teammates to be able to do their job on the field. And we all have skills. When you put together a small group, some who are maybe tenacious on defense, others who have a great outside shot, and uh, others yet who maybe have a strong presence down low, you've put together a team that should have some positive outcomes. And that's why believers have the gifts they have to build one another up. Ephesians 4.12 says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. For the perfecting of the saints, if you're a believer, well, that's you. And for the work of the ministry, whether you know it or not, it's what you're doing when you're participating in sports at any level. You are impacting other people's lives, and you could be doing ministry just by being a witness for Jesus Christ, a positive example for Jesus Christ. The edifying of the body of Christ, believers encouraging and investing in other believers for the sake of the church, not my church, not your church necessary, but for Christ's church. If you have a sports background, think for think for a moment of the different teams that you've played on over the years, perhaps the different places, towns, gyms you've been in. You know, God moves people around so that they might seek him. The people you come in contact with, they're not by chance. God has ordained those circumstances. Churches hang a tag word on this. They call it discipleship, which is cool and all, but I think it's kind of a trendy word. It can mean almost anything to anybody, anything from mentorship to fellowship. And I like the term disciple-making, and, and I believe that's what we're all called to do, focusing on someone God has placed in your life on which you can invest, being prepared and willing to teach and walk with that person, not just teaching them about life in the Bible, not just being a friend, although those things are certainly part of it, but preparing them to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, who will then go out and do the same with someone else. And that's what sports ministry provides 
perhaps the best environment for those relationships to be established because we're real, because we're familiar already with the concept of teamwork. I believe the Church of Jesus Christ is built by making disciples. And I got to ask it, if you're listening to me here this morning, do you have a role in that process? Are you part of the team? I want to encourage you that if you're a maturing believer, and notice I didn't say mature believer because none of us have arrived. You're a growing Christian. Uh, are you passing the baton on to someone else and then another and then another? And maybe that's not you. You haven't reached that point of your faith journey where you feel comfortable discipling someone else. Well, then what are you waiting for? Take that next step of faith. Be praying for God to put someone in your life who can pour into you in such a way. And don't be shy about making it known to somebody. You see somebody who you identify as as a maturing believer. Hey, man, would you disciple me? Would you teach me? By the same token, perhaps some of you should be praying for someone to pour into, asking, hey, have you ever formally been discipled? Can we connect on that level? Can we get together every so often? If you don't know what that looks like, let me just give you a basic idea. It's simply meeting together regularly. Maybe it's once a week. Maybe it's every other week. Whatever it is, as long as it's consistent, maybe it's an hour over coffee, maybe it's over lunch. It's a time of being accountable to one another, sharing struggles together, because we all have them. And don't tell me you have it all figured out. We're human. I was at a retreat recently with about 30 other Christian men, and understand these were leaders in the church. These were uh, uh, men who you would think, these guys got it together pretty much. But around a campfire on one evening, I, I was astonished as one by one, about 20 or so of these men admitted to watching pornography. They committed to one another this desire to overcome that with God's help and the help of their accountability partners around who were there gathered together. We all have struggles, which we deal with. Even those who you think have it all together, we're stronger together. Disciple-making is a process which builds both the discipler and the disciplee. We need our teammates. We need our fellow believers at church. But before we take a break, this happened over that retreat as well. There was a man who, he was a college baseball player, so what does that make him? Low 20s, maybe, you know, somewhere around 20. He'd been invited by another man. He spoke up and he said, man, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Nobody had ever told him about the Bible and about his sin and about heaven and hell. And to be 20 years old and to have never heard about that stuff blew me away. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've heard things. Maybe you've never really, it's never really made sense to you. And maybe today you feel like God's tugging on your heart just a little bit. Let me ask you this. Let me just take another minute or so. Let me ask you this. If your life ended today, do you know for sure you would go to heaven or would you go to hell? Do you know for sure? And if so, what are you basing that assurance on? Something you saw on TV? A concept you came up with in your own mind? Or do you have assurance from the Word of God? First John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe 
on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. The Bible says we're all sinners, which I think we would all admit to that pretty readily. We, we all sin. We've all tripped up. But because of our sin, we are separated from God, doomed for an eternity in hell. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. John 3.3 says, Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. But here's verse 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We all need God to extend us his grace and mercy. It's available to you if you would only ask. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me ask you this as well. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again three days later? That's what we celebrate during this Easter season, Jesus' death on the cross, but then Easter Sunday, the resurrection. Are you ready to ask him to forgive you of your sins? Are you willing to turn away, to turn over your life from an old lifestyle of doing things your way? And will you commit to following after God? Admit your sin and guilt to God. Tell him that you believe he died on the cross for you, that he was buried and rose again. Ask God to forgive you and tell God that you want him to change you. You want him to help you repent from your sins, to turn away from them. Romans ten nine and 10 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Salvation, being forgiven of sins, placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, That's joining the team. That, my friends, is the first step of being a disciple. Come on back. We got more to do. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Let's take a look at the past week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through March 28th. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. It was a split last weekend for the women's lacrosse team after falling to Lake Erie College 13-9, a game in which sophomore Emily Knight scored four goals, being one of five Red Hawks to score in the game. Roberts then defeated Caldwell University on the road on Sunday 14-5. Freshman sensations Taylor Nathan with four goals and Emily Tomei with three. The men's lacrosse team hosted Mercy College last Saturday, falling 12-6. Senior Alex Bianchi and freshman Hunter Lemieux, each with two goals. It was a mixed results kind of weekend for the women's bowling team. After going 1-4 on Friday, they were 2-2 on Saturday. Men's tennis dropped a pair last weekend, losing to St. Thomas Aquinas 5-4 before being swept by Queens College 9-0. The women's tennis team, however, came from behind to defeat RIT on Sunday, 5-4. Due in part to the Easter holiday, the only upcoming Red Hawks team in action at home this week will be the men's tennis team. They will host Onondaga Community College Friday at 4 p.m. and then will be back on the courts next Saturday, April 7th at 10 a.m. to 
take on New York Institute of Technology. You can see a full schedule of games at their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you can also get news, scores, game highlights, and much more. And don't forget that you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. Welcome back to the show. Recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here is your host, Rick Benson. Thanks for joining us on this Easter weekend. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program, sports talk without the trash talk. Beyond the Game is recorded in Rochester, New York, but regardless of where you are, you can listen to the podcast by visiting our website, btgprogram.com. You can also find it on iTunes and other podcast sources like Google Play. And, of course, you have the option to subscribe to the program, have it downloaded automatically each and every week. The podcast is listened to regularly in England, Ireland, and other places around the world, just as it is throughout the United States and places like Meridian, Idaho, birthplace of former Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher Vern Law. The Deacon enjoyed a long career that spanned throughout the 50s and 60s. He went 20-9 and in 1960 with a 3.08 ERA, leading the National League in complete games that year. That season, he made the All-Star team. He won the Cy Young Award and was victorious in two games in the World Series as the Pirates beat the Yankees. Vern Law was the comeback player of the year the year I was born, 1965. His son Vance also played in the majors for a number of teams in the 90s. What you may not know about Meridian, Idaho's Vern Law, is that he was made a deacon in the Mormon church when he was just 12 years old. He was ordained at 17, thus the nickname Deacon. Thanks for listening in Meridian, Idaho, and wherever you're listening from today, we're glad to have you along. Time now for Zach to give us this week's shenanigans statements. Number one, the San Francisco Giants were not a great team to begin with, but with top starting pitchers Madison Bumgarner and Jeff Samarja beginning the season on the disabled list, the Giants will give the San Diego Padres competition for last place in the NL West. Ah, shenanigans on that. I... Look, I don't think the Giants are going to challenge the Dodgers. And originally, I thought they might be able to be competitive and perhaps steal a few games here or there that might keep the Dodgers from clinching as early as May or June. But I think that's gone now thanks to the Giant injuries. But I don't think the Giants will slip all the way to the bottom. And of course, I'm silly about the Dodgers clinching in May or June. They're still going to have some competition. But I think when you get into the dog days of summer, that competition starts to... Mm -hmm fall away. Now, I, I'm going to say shenanigans. I don't think they're going to fall all the way to the bottom. That's that's pretty much the sole possession of the Padres. So my, my answer is actually interesting because I wanted to say no. I wanted to say they've got a great experienced manager, a lot of veterans and playoff performers on the team. They'll find a way to grit out wins and stay in the hunt. 
then I look at the predictions that I made for our earlier segment, and I have them in last place. So I guess I have to go with that and say true that they'll be a last place team. Yeah, I I think they made some great off season moves. I you know I think they'll finish in the middle of the bunch. Number two, the New York Jets trade up to the number three pick in next month's NFL draft made it significantly harder for the Buffalo Bills to move up into the top five for their franchise quarterback. So truth or shenanigans. Despite all their offseason roster moves, the Bills' offseason is a failure if they miss out on the top quarterback prospects. This is where I like to let you go first because you're an expert when it comes to this kind of stuff. Again, I want to say yes because we're so hyped. We've been waiting for a year, basically since that first-round trade last year to gain them the second first-rounder this year. We've been saying, all right, this is the draft full of quarterbacks. They have the ammunition to move up and get it done. And for a whole year, we've been anticipating this quarterback, and it just looks like they may not be able to do it. And the long and short of it is it's not a failure. If they don't get that quarterback, they got a guy with at least a little bit of upside in A.J. McCarron, but those two first-round picks can get them two really good players for the defense or you know, a wide receiver and a linebacker or something. They still can really add a lot of talent to this team with all the picks that they have. So while it would be very disappointing, it would not be a failure. Yeah, I agree with you, and I call shenanigans on the statements. I don't, I don't think it's a complete failure, though. I do think it would be considered a bit of a d- disappointment. AJ McCarron's a very nice addition. He may get an opportunity to open a lot of people's eyes. He's a very talented quarterback. Not sure he's that long-term franchise guys that Bill right. fans really want that you could maybe get in the one, two, or even three or four position, but. Um, they can still come away with a guy like Lamar Jackson, who I know you like very much. Very much, yeah. I think A.J. McCarron could be the guy he sat behind. He could be Andy Dalton. Not great, but you could get to the playoffs with him. And so, you know, it it could be a lot worse. Yeah, what would you say? He's serviceable plus. Yeah, serviceable with a hint of upside, I guess. Number three, after leaving the team to attend to a medical issue, Tyron Lue has coached his last game for the Cleveland Cavaliers. No, I don't think so. Shenanigans. I I don't think the Cavs will want to have the appearance that they allowed LeBron James to force out two coaches. James, the Cavs, and anyone else could say what they want, but there's a lot of people who have the opinion that he is why David Blatt is no longer there. Mm -hmm. Look, health concerns are a serious matter. Lue needs to protect himself, and if the stress is too great, which... How can coaching LeBron James not be stressful? He needs to take care of himself. First for him, first for his family. He needs to come first. But I think I think he comes back for the playoffs. Uh, look, I think you want that consistency for the playoff run. And then perhaps after the conclusion of the season, I think you may see him retire or wh- however they decide to spin that. But at the end of the season, I think he goes away. Either way, he and LeBron are probably done in Cleveland, but I think you'll see him back for the postseason. Am I allowed to say that even if he comes back, he still coached his last game for the Cavs because <laughs> yeah, LeBron's the coach point. anyways? But I'm going to say that he has because... Has he even coached a game for the Cavs? <laughs> yeah, this next one might be his first. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, seriously, I think that, um, look, this is a Cleveland team that really doesn't want to let LeBron leave a second time. And I think... This, this, their season's been very up and down. We've seen LeBron very frustrated at times. And if changing coaches again is what it takes to keep him there, then I think they'll do it. Number four, the Chicago Blackhawks were eliminated from playoff contention. Through their shenanigans, it's time for them to trade their marketable stars during the offseason and go into next year looking to stockpile draft picks. What do you think here? I think so. I mean, it's going to be tough because, you know, we're talking obviously about 
Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tays here, and they're both making a crazy amount of money per season. I don't know that they even could be traded at this point, but you know, paying those two guys really affects their ability to keep a team together. We've seen it, I think, three years now. I've been calling every year for them to take a big step back and miss the playoffs because they can't keep a team together around those guys. And, you know, I don't know that I was right, but it's finally happening. I just think if you could free up a ton of money, you can get some high draft picks. You could really rebuild your team and make the rebuilding process a lot quicker and a lot less painful that way. I don't think they need to break this thing down. I say shenanigans. Since 2008, which is when they last missed a playoff, that's nine straight playoff appearances. And among those nine are five conference finals and three Stanley Cups. That's pretty darn impressive. I think it's just been one of those years that that teams seem to go through from time to time when it seems like just everybody's off. Duncan Keith has struggled. Jonathan Tays has struggled, though as of late he's put it back together. And look, Corey Crawford went down. Their their goalie went down. What? That's tough to overcome. I, I think it's just been one of those years. You look at teams like Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Winnipeg, Colorado. These teams that all missed the playoffs last year but are back in contention this year. I think in today's NHL, you can turn it around pretty quick. You're going to have to do some changes. You're going to have to tinker with that roster. But I don't think they have to break it down. Uh, I, I think they're okay. Last but not least, locally, the Rochester Rhinos soccer team canceled their 2018 soccer season due to financial difficulties. They and the city recently reached an agreement which will allow them to stay in the city-owned stadium so long as they commit to the 2019 season by September. Truth or shenanigans, you care if the Rhinos return. Let me just speak for both of us. Shenanigans. It's soccer. Nobody cares. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. We'll be... <laughs> no, I, I agree. I haven't been to a game yet. They've been here forever, and I just can't bring myself to care about soccer. So I, I'm going to say no. I, I, I'm being a little bit silly here. I care, but really not that much. It, it's been a while since the Rhinos have been relevant. Let's be honest. Again, it's soccer. Even in a soccer community, which the Rochester area is a great soccer it community. It is, yeah. But if you're not winning, then people aren't interested. If you're not even playing. Yeah. What do they say about kids who take a year off at school? How often do they come back? They don't. I, I want the Rhinos to do well. I want that for many of the soccer fans around here. But I tend to think that it's probably over. Perhaps fans need to get behind the Lancers and forget about the Rhinos. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him... You can't even see the top of that thing! 
everything. Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. So glad you could be with us on this opening day weekend for Major League Baseball. The Los Angeles Dodgers open the season with a home series against the rival San Francisco Giants. Joining us now via the BTG studio line is Dodgers hitting coach Turner Ward. Turner, thanks so much for your time and welcome to the program. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Opening day is always exciting, especially the home opener. But on top of that, you guys are taking on the Giants. How excited are you to get things going and to get the Giants right out of the gate? Well, it's always good to get spring training over with. I think everybody kind of feels towards the end. You're, you're kind of ready to get going. I think that's how all the guys feel. But, you know, we, we open up against our division, you know, each year. And, you know, open up with these guys, the Giants. It's always been a big rivalry. It's right here in the state of California. So it always brings some good excitement. Certainly lots of high expectations surrounding the Dodgers this season, just as there were last season. Does that put extra pressure on the team? And do you think anything less than a World Series would be a disappointment? No, I mean, we, we've talked about this for the past, you know, this is the third year now. We, we're, our goal was to get to and to win a World Series. So that's not the pressure. You know, the that's kind of the vision. That's the goal. Uh, the, the the biggest part is just kind of keeping focused right here today, you know, today's game and, you know, uh, kind of keeping it uh, simple from that standpoint because we're going to go through our bumps and bruises through the course of the season, but our expectations are high and we want them that way. We're out here in western New York and, of course, a lot of people are talking about the power in the Yankees lineup, but, oh, my goodness, the Dodgers are right there too, setting a team record for home runs with 224 last season eight guys having hit double-digit home run totals and six actually hitting more than 20. As the team's hitting coach, Turner, can you take us through your role in all of that? I, I imagine you must spend a lot of time looking at tape. No, we do. And, that, you know, the big part of that, you know, is kind of trying to help guys prepare for, for ABs and stuff or kind of to help watch them when things start going south. But, um, you know what, these guys, they've had so many people that's been a part of their lives, uh, you know, from – from dads throwing to them when they was young to hitting coaches in high school and college. and I mean, to kind of put one one thing on it, uh, it, it's just so many people have been such a huge part of each one of these guys' lives, I, lives and I'm just kind of glad I'm just a, a small part of it. We hear an awful lot about things like launch angles and exit velocities in, in this era of baseball and so many of those guys, uh, as you mentioned, seem ready when they come out of the minor leagues to be ready to produce right away. In your opinion, is it a result of technology and a focus on mechanics that uh, things like launch angles and exit velocities, or is there more to it that's behind so many great young players in the game today? Oh, there's definitely so much more behind it, but I think now we can just put a number on it. But, you know, Ted Williams way back in the 70s was talking about a a slight upward swing and you know for me like reading a book like that as a high school kid i mean you know taking that uh you know that that advice pretty serious uh i don't think anybody in my era unless you just had 
uh, blazing speed did you just try to hit the bone on the ground. So, you know, it's always been a kind of a line drive, uh, get the ball in the air. It's just talked about so much more because we can kind of see what the actual number is. But if you literally look at ground balls to literally just fly balls, you're going to see that, you know, there's a better average, you know, on ground balls. But we don't like to talk about that because the line drive still works in every situation. And it's still the most productive, and it's still the highest average. So, you know, there's just been more emphasis on that launch angle. And for me, hitters that put themselves in a, in a good position to hit by, you know, keeping their body in a good position, you uh, literally create that launch angle. We're talking with Los Angeles Dodgers hitting coach Turner Ward. Now, you played for 12 years. You played for a number of different teams. Is there a favorite moment from your career that sticks out to you? Well, I'm going to talk about two different moments. Probably one as a as a player, and then then one as a coach. As a player, was in interleague, and you know I was later in my career, and uh, my my oldest son was six years old, and he got the bat boy in a game. You know, of course, that can't even happen in today's game. I mean, you're going to be 16 year old at least to to bat boy. But we're playing an interleague game. I was with the Pirates, and we we're playing the White Sox, and as I'm walking up the home plate, I thought I heard dad. You know, so, you know, so this is a pretty good crowd there and everything. And so as I kept walking into the dirt, I said, I hear dad, dad. And I turn around and my, my son, who was six at the time, he's looking up to me and telling me, hit a homer. <laughs> and a photographer, a photographer took a, picture of that moment and sent it to me and so it's my greatest picture but also it's kind of my greatest moment man i'm in tears at home plate you know because uh, i'm just thinking man what i really wanted to do was play long enough that he would know what his dad did and man i hit a ball and i thought i hit it out and i was like man i hit a homer end up getting drove in that next uh that next hitter drove me in but there's my son giving me a high five oh that's That's, cool that's you know as a player that's my greatest moment but as a coach you look at the game in a different perspective and about three weeks ago one of the players that i coached uh probably seven years ago asked me to baptize him and man that was probably one of the coolest things that um that I've been able to do in my coaching career was being able to baptize a guy. And really it was more, I don't don't even look at more as a baptism. It was more like a celebration of all the people that's impacted, influenced my life because he had a lot of those people there. And as before he was being baptized, he was telling each one, you did this, you helped me here. You did this, you helped me. You kept asking me to go to chapel. You kept, you know, uh, encouraged me to read the Bible. You kept doing this. And so watching that and be a part of that was definitely another cool moment in my career. Oh, yeah, that's moving. Hey, and talking to other players, I know that the travel and the time commitments of the game can be tough on a family and, and perhaps especially tough on Christians in the game. And I don't want to get too personal, of course, but has there been a circumstance during your time in the game when your faith in Jesus Christ had to carry you through a difficult time or a personal struggle? Well, no doubt. I think we're all tested in those areas of life. And, 
know, and we're, I, I think those tests become testimonies. Sometimes it's a test of, of failure that we're getting through and we're able to kind of get another one's a, a, a test of, of celebrating something. And, you know, probably about five years ago, um, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. Hmm. But she had a double mastectomy that year and went through her ninth surgery this, just this past year. But all through that, I don't know how sometimes people get through hard times without a faith in, in Christ and a strong faith. And of course, I've, my faith has grown over the years, but even through that, that, that time, the Lord kind of really even in, impacted me in a more compassion for others. Watching my wife go through it and seeing what other women go through and other people go through different struggles. It's kind of really kind of in, enhanced the compassion that I thought I had in my life, but it enhanced it to a to a place where uh, I had I had, that I didn't know was in me. So uh, for all those that who are going through struggles out there, man, I mean, we was thought we was going through a hopeless situation where we was given hope, which now is even kind of turning that hope into a foundation that we're kind of. Uh, doing now. My wife's name's Donna, and so we're just getting really close right now to uh, to completing our foundation of Donna's Hope. Mm. Turner Ward talks with us on the BTG Studio line. Turner is a hitting coach for the Los Angeles Dodgers. If I understand it correctly, though, the Dodgers have a number of believers on the team, guys like Clayton Kershaw who are open about their faith. How important is that to you in your walk of faith to have a network of guys like that around you? No doubt about it. That that accountability and that uh, um, just having that type of resource around you that you can, you know, it's called even in the Bible. We should have a, you know, a, a Paul, a Timothy, and Barnabas, you know, in our life. Uh, a Paul is someone, you know, that's going to teach us. A Timothy is someone that we can, you know, teach, and then also a Barnabas, someone that you know, you know, that will encourage us, or so that we can be a cur- encourager. So. You know, when we have fellow believers around us, we're gonna we're gonna be able to have that type of person around us in our life to kind of help us through those difficult times, or even man, even just celebrating the good times. Turner, I know this would be an encouragement to our listeners. I love to hear people's salvation stories. Would you share yours with us and tell us about the circumstances of that moment when you first trusted Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins? Yeah, I was in a small church. Um, my, my my dad had never been to church with me uh, to this point, and and I went to a church. And I was 15 years old, and um, for some reason I was involved. Uh, I, you know, I look here later in life and be able to look back, look at things, going, man, I see where the Lord was working with me and working in me then. And um, but I went to church, and the the pastor was talking a lot about heaven and a lot about hell, and you know, I didn't know a lot about either one of them. But I knew where I didn't want to go. And that preacher kind of gave that invitation. If you want to come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then he'll come up there and he'll walk you through it. Well, I didn't go that night. And it was a revival. And I, I said, I, I want to go back again. So I went back the next night. And my dad, I asked my dad, I'd never been to church with him. And that night when that pastor kind of asked that same question, uh, I knew that I needed that, that, to answer that call. And as I went up to that pastor, I'm I'm I'm, I'm in tears because I'm so so glad, man. I made this decision, and I knew it was the right decision. And but I was looking out there at my father, 
and I really wanted him. I really wanted him up there with me. And that moment, I thought, that's exactly how our Father in Heaven is. He just wants us up there with him. And all we got to do is answer the call. And I believe that that moment, that, that time in my life, I've gone through struggles since then. And, man, I've even kind of walked away at times. But he never walked away from me. And I think that's kind of where we have a, you know, a trust in a Savior that won't leave us, that won't forsake us, even if we walk away. Thank goodness uh, we have a Savior that's always there with us. Yeah. And that's, that's really my testimony. Well said. We all have needs, we all have struggles, and we like to give our listeners here uh, on our program an opportunity to to be blessed by keeping our guests in their prayers. Is there is there some way we can pray for you? I think probably more praying um, with the foundation that we're doing because I really believe the Lord's wanting to work through this foundation to help women uh, through through different uh, times of struggle and through different times of. Uh, of needs, and, and that's our hope, and that's, that's kind of where that foundation is uh, kind of started from hope. And if you really kind of look at look at it, um, hope is really Christ. That's where we should put our hope. That's where we need our hope. And so, you know, if they want to lift me up in prayer, man, just pray for for that, and that we'll continue to do how the Lord's directing us. Is there a website for the foundation yet? No, not yet. I mean, it's still. I mean, it's so close to getting. Uh, we were just getting to the final parts of the um, the foundation itself. So when that all happens, we'll definitely have a, our website up. Well, we'll keep an eye and an ear out for it. Thanks so much, Turner, for joining us. Uh, wish you all the best on the season ahead. Oh, thanks, Rick. I appreciate it. That's Turner Ward, L.A. Dodgers. High expectations there in L.A., Zach. I know you've got him picked high. I've got him picked high. And that's a good guy on that team. I'd, I'd like to see something special happen there for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Come on back. We got more to do. We got a show to close up. We're going to tell you what it is that we like from the world of sports this past week. I'm Rick Bess, and he's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. I heard an old, old story. I was came from glory. I was... Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view.
Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Thanks for being with us as we close out another edition of the Beyond the Game program. Exodus 14.14 says the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. As many of you know, former Buffalo Bills quarterback and Western New York hero Jim Kelly has been diagnosed with a return of cancer after having beaten the disease twice several years ago. Kelly was set to undergo surgery this past Wednesday where he would have part of his upper jaw removed and reconstructed. After he arrived in New York City for the surgery, Jim Kelly sent the following message via Instagram. God is good whether we walk through the valley or celebrate on the mountaintop. He never changes. He is faithful. Thank you for praying. We love and appreciate you. Exodus 14.14 The faith of Jim Kelly and his family as they battle cancer once again and trust in God for whatever the outcome is what I like this week. What I like this week was... San Francisco Giants pitcher Derek Holland doing an interview, but it was an interview in character as Kermit the Frog. He was he was in character as Kermit the Frog for the entire interview. His Kermit voice was spot on. Hey, so props to both he and the dugout reporter for keeping it together for the whole interview. Derek Holland's Kermit the Frog impression was what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? This has been the Beyond the Game program. I want to thank you again for being with us today. I hope you have a great Easter weekend and that you take some time to yourself to reflect on what the cross and the resurrection means to you. If those events have not yet had an impact on your life, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. There's detailed information there on how you can know Jesus Christ personally and receive the forgiveness of sins. And as always, please feel free to reach out to me if I can help or if you would like just to have someone pray for you. Once again, reach out to me through that website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.